Hello, everybody. Welcome to Following Jesus with Christ Church. My name is Andrew Vandermoss, one of the pastors at Christ Church. And I'm Addison Hawkins, friend, colleague, and co-host with Andrew. Over the next 20 minutes or so, we hope to share some observations and some stories about following Jesus from our little perspective here at Christ Church in Grand Rapids. Welcome back to our two-part series, A Rhetoric of Love. In part one of A Rhetoric of Love, Andrew and I talked with Lisa and Lindsay about the mode behind our words, the way we structure our words, and the motive behind our words. If you haven't listened to part one, it really is the foundation for this podcast. So I would ask you to pause and go back, listen to that podcast, and then come and join in on this conversation. In this second part, we're going to continue to build, continue to talk about what then and how then do we use our words. Let's look at Jesus and his ministry and the way that he chose to use words and in the moments he chose not to. So welcome to A Rhetoric of Love, part two. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. These are the words of uh, the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 7. So interesting to think about Paul saying those things, living in the times when he did, undergoing the persecution that he underwent, certainly is... uh, central to our conversation on rhetoric that we began in our previous podcast and want to continue at this time. We once again are joined by Lisa and Lindsay, Lisa Vandermoss, Lindsay Williams. Uh, Welcome again. Hello. And uh, it's great to have you back because we want to continue that conversation. In the first podcast, we we really were kind of high level talking about what is rhetoric uh, what is its mode, and then also what is its motive. Today we want to get a lot more practical, and we want to talk about uh, some of the ways that we see rhetoric misused, and then specifically say, what would it look like from a Christian perspective to use rhetoric in a way that honors God and, and loves, one, uh, loves other people as well? So let's just get started. Let's just dive right in. What As you guys think about some of the fallacies or biases with regards to rhetoric, what are uh, some of the things that you you see? Lindsay, why don't you start? Some of the structural ways that we see rhetoric misused. Yeah, well, one of the most common that I am noticing, uh, you know, since all of this began uh, is what we call ad hominem, and that is Latin for to the man. It is a fallacy in which instead of dealing with the argument that the person is presenting, 
And by the way, when I say argument, I don't mean fight. I mean their um, opinion. Right. When, instead of dealing exactly. with what they just said, I look at them and their character and I attack them instead of their idea. Um, and so, you know, maybe, you know, they would say, well, the sky is blue. And I would say, well, you are, you know, an idiot. And instead of engaging with the content of their, their argument, um, and that it'll, it'll take many forms, but you, you see it out there. And that's oh, something sure. that we call a fallacy, an informal fallacy. What's another one sort of structurally? Uh, I, I know that sometimes people will make what, what's called straw men. Why don't you explain that? Yeah. So a straw man argument is where you misrepresent the view of um, the other side, and then you go on deconstructing that misrepresentation. Um, so instead of doing the due diligence of, uh, you know, being fair and open-minded and using, you know, logic rightly, you uh, put together a, a, you know, a false sense of what they're saying simply to be able to tear it down but you're not really dealing with the substance of, uh, of what they're saying. Um, so we call it a straw man. And, you know, so uh, you can picture a, almost a scarecrow like thing that you'd go and, you know, right. set on fire in a, in a mob. Um, yeah. So a straw man. Good. Good. Yeah. Thank you for those, you know, sort of structural things that you know, I'm sure all of us can see, you know, throughout our different engagements with words in different places and stuff. Elisa, what about you? What are some of the biases that we tend to see? Sure. Well, there's many of them. And a lot of these we do and we don't realize they have names. Um, for instance, the halo bias is when we see someone who's very attractive and put together, we think, oh, they must be a nice person. We have no way of knowing that. <laughs> or conformity bias is kind of another way of saying groupthink. Whatever everyone's, you know, it's why we all wear the same name brands and things. Um, authority bias is if a doctor tells you to take a medicine, who's in a suit coat, a white coat, you're gonna believe him more than if your mom tells you to take the medicine because he's the authority. Um, but one that we're seeing a lot right now is called confirmation bias. And that's really the tendency to resist counter evidence or it's how we convince ourselves that we're right. And maybe some of you have seen that. <laughs> yeah, maybe just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think, I think you'll, you know, Sorry, uh, we're used to interrupting each other. Um, uh, what maybe one of the places where we see that is like on Facebook. You, how often have has somebody in on Facebook or social media ever posted a position that challenges your own position? You just don't see that. Uh, people are always posting things that that support their own position. And we typically find ourselves reading things that support our own position. 
Yeah. And that's like what we were talking about last time. We talked about response as opposed to rhetoric, right? When you look at how we're responding to things, I think a lot of time our biases just come out when we just respond so quickly and we don't take the time to stop and, and think and consider those things that we talked about and the structures, the forms, all of those things. We begin to just our biases come out. We all have them, right? I have them. You guys all have them. It's not as if we're pointing the finger out there. We have to point our, the finger at ourselves sure. as well. Well, that's And, the thing. and how think, does that work? Well, I think acknowledging it because one of the effects of the confirmation bias is that then all the facts and arguments become irrelevant because your mind is made up. And going back to first Corinthians, you know, when you think about, love is patient and kind and listens. It's just really the opposite of what that text is talking about. Um, it's, of course, we know that there's truth, but it's listening to facts and it's listening to people. So I think that's something, there's also something that comes with confirmation bias and that's called the backfire effect. So if my mind is made up and someone presents the honest truth, even firing that back does not change my mind. It cements my view. Mm -hmm. So all of our responding in Facebook with counter evidence probably isn't going to work very well. Well, it, it's just, just so interesting to think about that, even as Christians, and how do we share the gospel with people and, and what, what sort of effect that is. I remember just recently I was listening to another podcast that talked about the conversion of a highly embedded Hindu uh, Swami and just how unusual that is because ordinarily they would hear the gospel and it would confirm their own position. It would have that backfire effect. Um, so it makes us begin to ask questions like, what does really effective communication look like? Well, I think interestingly enough, the last chapter of this book is love is silent, which I think is very counterintuitive even to this discussion or to how we act as Christians. And we were talking about the quote from Francis Schaeffer who said, if I had an hour with a non-believer, I would spend 55 minutes listening and five minutes talking. And I think that's something to really think about as Christians. How good are we at listening and being silent, committing our thoughts and our words to the Lord first, and then to giving honor and dignity to hear other people before we respond? Yeah, that's really good. You know, Lindsay, we've talked a lot about like the words we're using, you know, how, how would you, you know, what else would you say? How, we haven't talked a lot about the importance of silence and listening and, and taking things in. How do you help teach that to your kids as you're teaching them this idea of rhetoric? That is a really important question. Um, because I think a tendency of, um, learning these cool Latin names or labels for these fallacies is you feel empowered. You've got these little tools that you can take into an argument. But if we are motivated by love, we are going to use those 
to mostly examine first ourselves and then make sure that we aren't, you know, speaking that way, but also we're not falling prey to that line of thinking either. Um, but what we don't want to do is come out guns blazing, pointing out other people's fallacies. Because um, you, you can imagine if you're already in a heated environment, like some of these um, conversations are bound to be, and someone points out some fallacy error that you've made, your heart is going to just feel you know, like a callus has grown over it and you're not going to feel responsive. And so I think what Lisa was talking about, um, you know, about a posture of listening and one of respect for that person um, is going to go a lot farther than, um, you know, being a logic guru. Um, so I think one of the important things to come back to is that we, we study rhetoric and we study logic um, to submit it to, you know, the Lord's work in our life in whatever sphere he has us in. Um, so I'm thinking through, I love how um, we started with that passage from 1 Corinthians 13. Um, a few verses further, it talks about how love believes all things and hopes all things. And that um, really speaks to me because what that's calling me to is to see a see other people in a better light than I necessarily want to mm. and um, be hopeful about them and for them. And man, I, I sure love how uh, in all of this, um, it comes back to my heart and a posture of, you know, repentance and um, yes, just submitting this to the work of the Holy Spirit in my life how you teach that to a student. Oh, it, it, you know, I think it's modeling it for them. Mm. Um, and, you know, I, if anybody is like me, you know, apologizing can be difficult, but it, it's one of the surest ways to, to, to show that this is, you know, you love the Lord and you want him to chasten and change you. And um, so I, I think you'd, you have to have a posture of humility as you enter these conversations with, with students or, or other people. Yeah. I, you know, one of the things as we've done these podcasts, and I think if you've been listening over these two episodes, we we're, we're not trying to be political at all in that sense. Um, but we are trying to say, how do we engage with, uh, the the politics of our day. How do we respond to that in a Christian manner, in a way that that demonstrates love? And and this is all just so challenging to think about it because we see these fallacies. We see them on different sides of the aisle. We see uh, rhetoric that is not thoughtful. That is that is not motivated by love. Frankly, uh, we see all sorts of different things. So. What else do you have? I know, Lisa, you were thinking of a couple of other things, ways that we can really engage with a heart of love. What, what are some of the other things? Well, I think some things that um, we could talk about is love is curious. I love hmm. that thought that love is curious. Why do you believe what you believe on that side? And of course, I'm never saying throw away 
truth as found in scripture. That's, that's a given in all of this. But how, how are you seeing the world? How are you making sense of this? You know, Brian's job makes him see things very differently than someone else. So just being curious about that. Um, being, you know, love is simple. How do we simply respond, you know, in a way that's clear and communicated clearly and lovingly? Or are we trying to confuse people with our words and our thoughts? Um, are we denying ourselves in the midst of our words and our thoughts and our situation? So just some of those things I think about in our words, especially, and learning. I mean, frankly, these podcasts are about learning. Mm -hmm. We're learning about other people, other ways that they think, situations that they're living through. Yeah, and I think learning about ourselves. I mean, one of the things about love is that it's self-aware. And, I, you know, Lindsay, I loved what you said just about that ability to repent. Uh, this is one of the great things about the gospel is that the gospel always reminds us that we're more messed up and broken than we ever would have thought, but we're more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever would have dared hope. So we could be sitting here and we could see all of uh, the brokenness with regards to rhetoric going on in our own life, but there's always that invitation to acknowledge that before the Lord, uh, to grow in our own self-awareness and, and move in a different direction. Yeah, there's a great quote at the beginning of this book, and this is the author. He says, throughout most of this volume, I'm arguing with myself. I'm working to flesh out views I haven't always held. For many years, the rhetoric I pressed into service was one of power, not love. And so it's exactly what you're talking about, just really that looking at self and self-denial. Right. And working yeah. toward repentance and then seeing the growth that comes out of that. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, what, you know, as we think about holding these two episodes together and, and we think about how uh, our rhetoric is everywhere, words are everywhere, we're, we're inundated by it right now. And it's mainly digital. It's mainly on the online platform right now, but that won't be forever. It, it will change. We'll, we'll go back to having, you know, more public domain sort of conversations. Um you know, we're also talked about, you know, what are the forms, the ways, sort of the, the, the technical side of, of rhetoric and, and what's the motives behind it? What does love look like in all this? How do we have a motivation of love in it? And I, I just can't help but ask the question like, you know, what's at stake? As we try to land the plane here in this podcast, you know, we're, we, we titled this podcast Following Jesus with Christ Church intentionally, right? We are disciples of Christ. And so as we think about what's at stake, it's it certainly has to come back to what it means to be a Christ follower today. I love this quote from Francis Schaeffer. We've mentioned it a couple times. We'll, we'll put some links in the show notes to some of these quotes and books. But he says this, each generation of the church in each setting has the responsibility of communicating the gospel in understandable terms, considering the language and thought forms of that setting. And I just think that that is such a great reminder for us, because as we think about why 
do we do this? Why do we talk about and think about our words? Why do we talk about rhetoric and those? Because the gospel is at stake today as it is tomorrow, as it was in the past. And we have such great uh, references to go back to. Jesus was so careful with his words and used different mm. forms of language throughout the gospel accounts. He used parables, he used direct speech, you know, he preached sermons. So he, he, there's so many different ways we can consider our rhetoric because the gospel is what is at stake. Yeah, and, and Jesus also, incidentally, was silent at appropriate times. Yeah. Uh, he opened not his mouth. You know, before Pilate, he, he did not answer him. He, he knew when it was right and when it was wrong. He had that power of discernment. Um, we, we're going to wrap up here in just a minute. But uh, Lisa, any last words from you as we begin to wrap up? Oh, I mean, I think it's just a great conversation to have. It certainly causes me to think about my words around the house with my family. What am I posting on Facebook? Is this to make me funny or liked or powerful? Or is this going to benefit others? So I think it's just the beginning of a conversation and questions to ask ourselves and submitting that to the Lord. Yeah. Lindsay, thank you for being here. Any last words or thoughts from you? Mm. Oh, I loved how Lisa connected it just then to um, how we are in our homes. And that's why I love being friends with Lisa because she always has an angle I have neglected to think about. But you're right. Like we're talking about our lives kind of online or how we're consuming media. But here we have human beings uh, right in front of us, whether roommates or, or our family. And um, yeah, just to be ministering to them uh, well in this time with our speech, uh, because I don't know how many days it's been for you guys. I think I, I've been noting every single day, um, and we're getting into some high digits here of days right. sheltering in place. And wow, just to that reminder to think about our words and to to bless and instead of curse uh, with our with our words. Well, I can close with this final quote. Usually other people's words are better than mine. So I'll close with what this author says in his preface, really about why he wrote this book. He says, an unloving rhetoric doesn't work in the long run. It engenders hostility and alienates potential friends and allies. More mature Christians have long recognized this as basic Christian wisdom. And it's not a matter of being nice, in quotes. The love Jesus spoke of is far more revolutionary than that. It involves not only empathy and service, but also creativity and tension and silence. Mm. Yeah, that's really good. Well, thank you very much for joining us. We, we put you through Double Work, a, a two-episode podcast. This was uh, something that uh, groundbreaking for Addison and I. We're just a couple of rookies, right, Addison? That's right. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining us. I, I'm just going to close us with prayer. And as we pray for the four of us, as well as just our community and any listeners, that, that God would do a work in our hearts that would overflow. Father, thank you for this conversation. I thank you specifically for Lindsay and for Lisa, for them. Uh, they're joining us, willing us to share both a, a level of expertise, but also just a humility in, in their own learnings as they've 
been engaging along the way. Lord, we pray for us and for our community that we would truly be a people that are marked by uh, love, love that manifests itself in creativity, in logic, uh, love that manifests itself in, in listening and silence and self-awareness, all of these different things. Father, we need you uh, to help us with that. And we, we need a firm sense that our identity is grounded in you. And so, Lord, we pray that you would remind us that you are love and that when we come to you, we find the source uh, and we find everything that we need. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're glad you checked us out. If you want more from Christchurch, you can find us at our website. It's ChristchurchGR.org. That's ChristchurchGR.org. While you're there, check out the Staying Connected During COVID-19 page for more resources, our home worship guide, the latest podcast, and other ways to stay connected. You can find this podcast on many of your regular podcasting apps, or that is through Apple iTunes or the Google Play Store. If you enjoyed this content, please consider giving us a rating and a review. Also, sharing this episode with a friend or family member is a great way to keep them connected. We're so glad you checked in. We'll see you next time.